Hallelujah. You probably need to get a big breath right now because the Holy Ghost is going to wave in here and move in here in another wave in just a moment. Brother Matt Tuttle was raised on the mission field. Brother Mike Tuttle, his father, a tremendous man of God, a great missionary, the United Pentecostal Church. Brother Matt Tuttle grew up in Holland, city of Amsterdam. Last year you heard some of the things that he endured as a young person, but he is living proof that no matter what the surroundings, you can live for God. There's been, there's been many comments over the last few years due to the list of speakers and the emphasis it seems, especially on Friday, dealing with young people. And you're right, that is the agenda. We want this truth handed to the next generation. We want young people to love this faith and love this doctrine. The world has its heroes, but the apostolic church has its heroes too. And I deeply love this man. Brother Matt Tuttle is doing a tremendous work for God, not only as an evangelist, but the last year, year and a half, has been back in the land he grew up in, in Europe, pastoring, and they have had incredible revival. Don't tell me Europe doesn't want revival. They're having revival in Holland. Brother Matt Tuttle, we are glad you're here. We love you. Come preach the word. Take your liberty in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, everybody. What a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. It's Friday night. No limits. Amen. What a beautiful presence of the Lord that is in this place. God is so good. Amen. Man, didn't you enjoy that singing? I just need to take them back to Holland with me. My goodness. I know that doesn't just happen by accident, as meetings like this don't just happen to come together. And so I give honor to all those that have made no limits possible for those of us that just come and enjoy. Amen. And if you just came and you've just enjoyed, why don't you say amen? amen. And I know that it uh, comes because of great leadership, uh, headed up, of course, by Bishop Wilson, and I honor him. All of the sponsors uh, of No Limits, we give honor to you, Pastor Young, the entire staff here at Truth, uh, at uh, The Rock, I'm sorry. It's nine hours uh, ahead in my time. <laughs> I got here last night. So I might be the first preacher you hear preach falls asleep on himself. <laughs> uh, the Rock Church, and I give honor to them. All the ministry on the platform. My, that was fantastic preaching this afternoon. Brother Indris, amen. Brother Alviar, did you not enjoy that? I'm challenged. <laughs> We're gifted with great leadership, and I honor them. 
Uh, very quickly, let's turn to 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, and Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. And from all I've heard, I have heard that we have, uh, I was not able to be here the first two days, but I have heard that we have just, if this were a restaurant, we've been eating filet mignon and lobster and crab. I've heard it's been great. So tonight, enjoy your happy meal. Maybe there'll be a little, little toy in the box that means something to you. But I, I don't consider myself a big theologian or anything, but I just believe God can do anything. Not a conference preacher, but I love to preach, and I thank you so much for giving me the privilege. And I want to say uh, that I love my wife. She's watching all the way from the Netherlands, probably with my little girls. And I've got a young man in the Netherlands, Brother Helio Gonzalez. I want to honor him and all my friends. Amen. We give honor to you. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. If you're there, would you say amen? amen? And this is a familiar passage of Scripture. We're all familiar with the story of David and Goliath, but I won't take time to read it all, but just a, a little bit here. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. And then Matthew chapter 10, verse 16 says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpent and harmless as doves. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. I want to talk to us a few minutes tonight on the, the thought in this has benefited me a little bit over in Holland, but the revelation I had to have was the one of what I did not have. So I've come to talk to you about the revelation of what you do not have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, now come into this room and I pray, Lord, that you would just help me. Give me strength, O oh Lord, to communicate to the best of my ability the Word of God to the hearts of men that Lord, in this house, none would leave in the same manner in which they came, but that as the power of your word, dear God, begins to speak to our hearts, that, that there would be something, oh God, that begins to take, take place and transpire in our lives. Uh, I am not content to leave no limits the same way I came, uh, but there is something burning within me, a great desire, oh Lord, uh, to be changed by your word. Challenge me, uh, convict me, uh, encourage me, but God, whatever happens, don't let me leave the same way I came. Uh, God, help me to do a good job anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet I'm solely dependent on you in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ why don't we give him a great big praise hallelujah praise the Lord praise the Lord amen turn to two or three people better looking than yourself tell them I know what I've got but I gotta know what I don't have Wow. Wow. And we honor all those that are watching right now. There's military personnel overseas, and we give honor to you and your service. Thank you. Amen. Um, you, you don't have to be a Christian very long to come into the revelation and discover that you are a sheep 
among wolves. And this comparison that Jesus gives, it portrays a a very eerie image. In my mind's eye, I, I can see a sheep surrounded by the, the stronger, the bigger, faster, smarter wolves. As the sheep stares at his adversary, I can imagine him contemplating uh, running only to come to the realization that he is not as fast as the wolf. He thinks about biting him and attacking him with his teeth, but then he's He sees the the wolf's sharp fangs, and he's discouraged. He considers using his strength to knock him down, but as he looks at the wolf, the moonlight shimmers off his muscles, and he realizes that he is much too weak and that he is in completely, in every way, in a position of complete disadvantage. It is this position that I have found myself in as a Christian, as a pastor, as an evangelist and a missionary, I've been in a position of the disadvantage, a sheep among wolves. And yet as I consider my position, I realize that really this is nothing new for the people of God, for it is the condition of the nation of Israel that found themselves in when conflict arose between them and the Philistines. They, they lifted up their eyes and beheld an enemy that was bigger stronger, had more armor, and was greater, more qualified, Mr. Goliath. So what did they do? They did not turn to God. They started analyzing the enemy. They started studying. How do you know they studied him, Brother Tuttle? Well, because they measured him. They knew everything about the enemy. They knew the weight of his coat and the weight of his spear's head. They knew the girth of his spear handle. They knew all the details about the enemy. Their idea was that in order to defeat him, we must know him. The enemy's tactics are the same today. To keep us focused on how big he is and how great he is and how talented he is. And, but when you focus on the enemy, you are left with the emotion of fear. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled for him and were sore afraid. Fear. Fear. It's one of the primary weapons of Satan that he utilizes against the church and the people of God. By keeping us focused on our position of disadvantage in an attempt to control. He attempts to keep us focused on how little we have compared to everybody else. Have you heard their music and have you seen their Easter dramas and have you, come on, look at all their community programs and look at everything that they are doing. And so you know what we do? We start analyzing them. And we go to their meetings to see how they do it. And we buy their books to see how we could ever become a wolf or a giant in order to defeat the giant. That's how, oh, how are they getting crowds? We need to go to their meetings to discover and and find out. But here is the danger of that. After you measure Goliath, you then have the urge to become like Goliath. 
I said, once you start analyzing the enemy, you take it upon yourself and you feel a responsibility or an urge to take upon you the same methods that he has. For in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38, Saul armed David with his armor and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. Saul told David, he said, you can go, but in order to defeat him, you are going to need to be more like him him he's got armor you don't have armor he's got a helmet and you don't have a helmet he has a sword and you do not have a sword all you have is a silly little sling and so the reaction of many to the revelation of their disadvantaged position is to become more like the wolf in order to save the wolf I've come to tell you tonight that if our mission is to become the wolf in order to save the wolf, ladies and gentlemen, we do not defeat him, we become him. We must stop listening to the lie that says we must change in order to win the world. No, my friend, if we change to win the world, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, the world has won us. This is no hour for the truth to change. This is no hour for the church to change. I know I'm a missionary. I've been there. I've been in the whole missionary setting and listen to the devil tell us that if we just change a little bit, we could reach them. And if, if we would stop making such a big deal about sin that we could fill our buildings full, it's a lie from hell to keep you focused on your position. I've heard the lie to my generation as they try to convince my age group and my peers and the youth of this generation that in order to reach our world, that we need to take a less confrontational tone and, and have a little bit more conversational tone. And then we need to change our services to be more seeker friendly. And, and why don't you invest in a good pair of flip-flops, buy a mocha and a bar stool, and then look, because that's how everybody else is reaching their world. That's how everybody else is feeling, feeling their... Stop making such a big deal about the doctrine. Why are you all... I had a young man come into my church. He had come in for a few weeks and actually come a couple months and... One Sunday, I, I came up to me after church and said, you know, I love to hear you preach and you guys have good music. And he said, we could really do something great here. I said, ah, well, man, I believe that. He said, I'd like to get involved. I said, great. I said, do you have the Holy Ghost? He said, yes. I said, well, have you been baptized in Jesus' name? He said, well, pretty much. I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I said, well, I, I got to make a deal with you. Well, you're going to have to get baptized in the name of Jesus before we can move on with this discussion. He said, why is it always about Jesus with you? He says, it's Jesus this. He got mad with me. He said, you know, you could baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and say Jesus' name at the end, and it would make everybody happy. He said, I said, no, 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 no. We, we're not going to do that. He said, why has it always got to be about Jesus? It's Jesus this. It's every time you preach. You're talking about Jehovah became jesus in the flesh and jesus that and jesus he said you're jesus i said say it one more time i'm jesus everything 
Somebody said, you're Jesus only. I said, no, baby. I'm Jesus everything. My daddy was. My granddaddy was. And it worked for them. It's going to work for me. Let's preach one God. Let's preach the doctrine of the apostles. Let's be apostolic. It is our message that sets us apart. We cannot relinquish. We cannot let go of the one God apostolic message. We cannot relinquish or let go born of the water and the spirit. And without that, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Ladies and gentlemen, it is not our music that sets us apart. It is our doctrine that sets us They did not kill the apostles because of the songs they sang. They killed them because of the message they preached. I say we preach their doctrine. Pentecost 2012, we must understand that our position is what separates us from all others. We are not wolves among sheep. We are sheep among wolves it leaves us in a position where we are solely dependent upon the shepherd i said my position that appears to be my weakness is actually my greatest asset because my strength is made perfect in weakness it's an opportunity for God to be big. It's an opportunity for God to show up and show off. So stop focusing on your position and start focusing on his power. I don't know if you noticed it, noticed it a lot, but a lot of the new music, and I, I like singing, but it's all about, oh, I feel his presence, and it's all about me. But I still like old songs like, there is power, power, wonder working power. I love singing about the power of my God. Because I didn't get a breakthrough because they sang a pretty song. I got a breakthrough because Jesus showed up. Stop focusing on what you do not have. Well, if we just had a better music and if we just had a better choir and if we just had a youth center and if we just had a coffee bar and if we just had this and if we and if the devil can keep you focused on everything you don't have, you never step into what you can have. Stop trying to level the playing field and make it fair. It's never fair. If it were fair and you won, you'd get the glory. But when it's all said and done, you're going to say, you know what? If that giant doesn't fall, it ain't going to be my fault. All I got is this little sling and now I am solely dependent upon the shepherd. Then said David to the Philistine, you come at me with a sword, a spear, and a shield. But I come at thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies. I'm not trying to bash singing too much. But baby, when the giant was in front of him, he didn't bust out his harp. He busted out the name. 
Soho missionary, stop worrying about the quality of your choir and start preaching Jesus and him crucified. For it is not with enticing words of men's wisdom that you must come, but you must arrive with a demonstration. What's going to set us apart is not the quality of our singing, but is the demonstration in our altars. I got no other options. I got no other options. There's no other way I can ever have revival. Uh, Come on, I'm preaching to some young people. You're the only young people. You got two in your youth group. Uh, You don't have a lot of money. You don't have a fancy youth room. All you've got is the name of Jesus. You're in the prime position for revival. (laughs) You don't have to worry and look at what every other youth groups in town is doing. No, 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 no. You just start preaching the name of Jesus. You start laying your hands on the sick. And I'm going to promise you they are going to recover. I'm going to tell that young people are going to leave this house. Not focused on what they don't have, but focused upon what you do have. I'm not going to preach very long. I feel the Holy Ghost. But Acts 3 and 1 says that now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Here you have two apostolic preachers. They are going up to pray. Peter and John went up together. Peter said, I need John. Now this dude had just preached the day of Pentecost revival, ladies and gentlemen. If it was any of us, we would have already had a www.peterministries.com with a donate now link. But Peter, even with his powerful ministry, he realized that what had brought Pentecost outpouring was the same thing that was needed for demonstration at the gate. He said, I must unite with someone. And so the Bible says that he went up together. He joined forces with John. Peter said, I, you know, Peter is, is, it represents faith in the Bible. It's, it's action. It's, it's, it's the guy walking on the water. He's the guy preaching on the day of Pentecost. He's, he's, I, love, I love Peter. He's kind of like me. You know, you're, you're sitting in the board meeting talking about painting the church, and he runs out of the board meeting, and next thing you know, you walk into the sanctuary, it's painted purple with orange dots. You know what I mean? He did stuff, not always the right stuff, but I'm glad there's people that just do stuff. I'd rather have to kind of tame the fire down than try to light some wet logs. I'm thankful for people that just go out and do it. Amen. That's faith. That's what Peter is. He's faith. But faith said, you know what? I I, want to go, uh, but I need to get with somebody. So I'm going to link up with John. John, he's the worshiper. 
He's the guy that would lay his head on the breast of Jesus Christ. Tears are streaming down his face. Worse, he did not care. He wasn't too cool to cry. He was past all that elementary pride that we get so caught up in. He just said, you know what? I don't care if it's no limits and all the pretty girls are watching me or not. I, I've got to touch Jesus. I've got to get to the glory of God. No wonder he was remembered not as the disciple that loved Jesus, but as the disciple that Jesus loved because Jesus Jesus always loves a worshiper. He always loves a praiser. And so I said you will never be a preacher until you're a praiser. You will never be a Sunday school teacher until you are a worshiper. Oh, oh, Pastor Tuttle, Brother Tuttle. Hey, they tried to pull this on me a while back. I was preaching on praise and I've got... Yeah, I'm not going to say that. There's the internet. But anyhow, they would never praise sitting on the back, you know, arms folded. And I'm hammering away. Come on, praise, pray. We've got to worship the Lord because God loves him. He's not looking for workers, looking for worshipers, you know, the whole thing. And, and, uh, he, uh, and then she comes up to me after church and says, Pastor Tuttle, <clears throat> I am not a worshiper. I am an intercessor. I am a prayer warrior. That's a cop out. Because I pray too. And you know what? When I talk to him, he talks to me. And when he talks to me, baby, I can't sit on the back row. Look. Start dancing and start clapping and start running and start shouting. So get your prayer warrior. Oh, come on. You want to start praying and then you got to get to praising. Because every praying. Oh, I'm Before I ever preached my first message, I was a prayer warrior. Praiser. John the Baptist, before he ever preached, he learned how to leap in his mama's womb. Baby, you ought to learn how to praise God. I don't care if you're sitting in the back or sitting in the... Hey, 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 while I'm on this, while I'm on this, I've noticed a trend at Pentecost. You let... Sally gets sad. Come up to the front and slobber all over the altar. And I mean, that's, you got to do that sometimes. I notice you get someone crying, you have about 45 people up around them, you know. One person's wiping their eyes. That's good. Because the Bible says weep with them that weep. But then you let the same sister get blessed. And she'll dance all by herself. And the same scripture that says weep with them that weep says rejoice with them that do rejoice. So I made a new rule at my church. If you're going to weep with me, you're going to have to leap with me. If you're going to slobber with me, you got to shout with me. If you're going to boo-hoo with me, you ought to boogaloo with me. I said, come on, somebody. You ought to grab somebody by the hand and say, we've been praying and it's come to pass. You ought to make a rule at your church. Nobody dances alone. 
nobody dances alone look it's happening right now 14 people dancing and the rest of us just watching but if they're dancing I'm dancing if they're shouting feel the Holy Ghost. I, I, I'm, I'm off my notes, but I feel, I, and this lady, you know, hey, I'm going to tell you, here's a little secret. If your prayer partner is not your praise partner, they are a gossip. and tell me about how bad your husband is and, and all the dirty stuff that I had it happen in my church. They had a prayer partnership going on. And I didn't feel good about it. But you know, that's a spiritual thing, prayer partners. And so and I kind of, okay, well, whatever, you know. And this lady, you know, I kind of, praying, well, we pray. I said, you know, sisters, I don't really feel good about this. Well, my, my husband and my five boys, they're, they're living bad and, and we just get together and pray for my family. I said, oh, okay, okay. okay. Well, you know what happened? I baptized all five of them boys in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sin. And brother, I baptized one. I looked up, and there's the mama's prayer partner in the back. Oh. And I came to the conclusion that, you know what, if they aren't worshiping with you, they're really not praying with you. So I dare say, God, you be my prayer and my praise partner. That's all I need. Peter and John went up together, together. Praise said, I need to connect with faith. Here you find the ingredients for revival. Brother Alviar, God gave it to you. Praise. And preaching, praise and faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How do you hear with a preacher? You had a preacher and a praiser connected. And you know what happened? Where were they going? They were going to pray. When you have faith, praise, and prayer mixed together, you better watch out if there's anybody at the gate, for it is the ingredient for the supernatural. And that is why the devil tries to divide us, because he knows that if he separates us, that then that we are no longer sure you can preach and have people get the Holy Ghost. But if you want to see the miraculous, you must connect with somebody. They had every reason not to connect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who you think you are trying to connect with me? I can hear John already saying it. You were just cussing just a few days ago, cussing him out. I know you got a past. Who do you think you are trying to? You know, I was, this is the disciple that cussed. This is the only disciple that stayed. He's spiritual. This dude's been carnal. They had every reason not to come together. The devil will give you every excuse not to unite uh, and every excuse and why you should not connect. Uh, what? History, if you study it out, it's not proven, but most likely Peter was older than John, substantially. 
And so John could look at Peter and say, well, you know what, you've cussed, but Peter could look at John and say, you're too young. You're too little. You're too, you, you, you haven't come. I just preached on the day of Pentecost. But they looked past differences because there's somebody sitting at the gate. Do you believe, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one? Do you believe that he's able to do exceeding? Do you believe that a man must be born of the water and the spirit? Do you believe in separation from the world? Then take my hand and let's have revival. Let's have revival. Let's have revival. For the man at the gate is more important than our differences. The man at the gate is more important than our petty politics. The man at the gate is the reason I'm here to come. That's why I love Bishop Wilson because he's not afraid to qualify the younger. For here's what happens. Come here, lame man. The lame man sitting at the gate. There he is. And the Bible says that he was there and he had been there his whole life from his mother's womb, carried. The Bible says they carried him and they laid him Daily at the gate. Here's his position. I've always wondered why they just didn't go ahead and take him in the church house. Because you can only be carried so far. You've been trying to ride your pastor's coattails, but you can only ride them so long. You c- Come on. Your crutch is how good the praise team sings. And if they're a key off or a little bit in the cracks, you lose your Holy Ghost. Because you're a spiritual hobo. Carried and laid the gate his position was one of disadvantage it was one of transition it was a gate he was the boy that sat on the back row and sometimes the front row you couldn't tell if he was in the temple or outside of the temple because he was at the gate what where do you stand what do you, 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 you can't tell. It's like, a, are you in the church or out of the church? I'm at the gate. I'm preaching to some young men here tonight uh, that are sitting at the gate of Pentecost. And when I look at you, you confuse me because I see you dancing on Sunday and I see you cussing on Monday. Where are you? What do you believe? At the gate. Peter and John went by that gate. And Peter, the elder, he fastens his eyes on him. And he says, look on me. Nah. Peter, the guy that had just had a 3,000 soul revival holding the hands of Junior John, he says, look at us. He's just as powerful as I am. And until we get that mentality of Pentecost, that it don't matter who gets the glory, that it don't matter who gets... T- <laughs> 
I wonder can Pentecost still say, look at us. He didn't say, look at Jesus. He said, look at me. Because when you see me, you're going to see someone filled with the Spirit representing who Jesus is. I've come to tell my generation, it's a time that boldness come upon us. Look at, I'm almost done. I feel the Holy Ghost. Look at us. Peter and John go by. And in verse 6 of chapter 3 of Acts, after they look at him, he's looking at them with expectation, expecting to receive something, the Bible says. Here's one of the, it's always kind of befuddled me a little, this scripture, for he says, Peter says, silver and gold have I none. And I didn't really catch it until I was missionary over there, you know what I mean? Because... I'm sitting there thinking, why on earth would you be telling a dude that needs money what you don't have? This guy, what does it benefit him to know what you do not have? He only cares about what you do have. The only thing our world, come on, the world doesn't care about what we don't have. They are concerned about what we do have. So why on earth would you ever take time to preach about what you don't have? You've got, oh, because if you're ever going to operate according to the power of what you do have, you must have a revelation of what you do not have. Because if you don't know what you don't have and have come to grips and clear clarity about what you lack, the devil is going to tell you every time, go ahead, try to lay your hands on a blind man. Who do you think you are laying your hands on that blind man? Don't you know that you're not qualified? You haven't been to the Bible school. You've never read the Bible backwards 47 times. You're not a Bible quizzer. Do you know how to make peanut brittle? You're not wearing all white. I don't know about your past. Matter of fact, I know where you were last week and two nights ago, and I know what you were doing and what you were saying. You don't have a good, good enough praise team. You don't, have, you don't even have a choir. You don't have a youth center. You don't have a lot of things going. You don't have, and the devil will tell you every reason why you cannot have revival. I listened to him for six long months telling me why Holland couldn't have revival until finally I got the revelation of what I didn't have. I said I don't have silver. I don't have silver and I don't have gold. I don't know a lot. I don't have a big building. I don't have a fancy praise team. I don't have a lot of money. I can barely afford a cordless microphone, but baby... You know what we would have given him in 2012? A Walmart gift card and a bicycle. Yeah. Oh, we'll come to our church. We'll give you a Walmart gift card. Silver and gold have I none. The world's not looking for a cappuccino or a Walmart gift card. They're looking for the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So I say we get over what we don't have and start using what we do have. Because we've got something no other religion in the world has. We have the revelation of the name of Jesus Christ. So I speak to the lame tonight and I say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise and walk.
We've got Jesus, and that's all we need. We got the revelation of Jehovah manifest in flesh. That's all we need. You can go home. You can leave no limits with what you do have. You can leave this conference powered, emboldened to use the name of Jesus. So he preached in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus. Rise up. In Jesus. Hey, this wasn't Matthew Tuttle on No Limits Night. This is Peter and John looking you in the eyeballs. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. But the Bible says he didn't get up. He did not get healed in six. He sits there. I can read his mind. Oh, yeah. Another No Limits conference. Man at the gate message. Heard that. This guy doesn't realize I've been sitting here my whole life. Wish he'd move on. The guy behind him's got a gold coin in his hand. Man, I wish he'd just quit because I can't get, wait to get to that youth camp. That P.J. White, man, he rocks. He's going to bring great deep revelation. And, you know, this. I mean, I've been sitting here my whole game. I'm apathetic. That's what he was. Come on. He was healed because when the name of Jesus was spoken over him, healing virtue flowed through him, but he was still sitting at the gate. But faith... And once you know what you don't have, you have so much faith in what you do have. You don't have a backup plan. If Jesus doesn't work in Holland, I don't have a backup plan. So he looks at him. He says, in the name of Jesus, get up. And the boy still sits there. So do you know what he did? He took him by the hand. See, there's some people that are healed that just need a hand. And sometimes when you have preached and they don't move, you don't have any other options because Jesus is all you've got. Sometimes after you preach and they don't come, friend, no limits 2012. We're going to do more than preach. We're going to take you by the hand and say, son, if you ever get into your ministry, if you ever, he was the first boy that ever danced in the church house, you'll revolutionize worship. So you know what? Get up and go You've been sitting here too long. Time to come on. Nobody stays behind. Everybody comes. I wish I had some apostolics that would do more than preach and would begin to pull and say, this is your moment. You're not staying back there. You're kind of back. You better come. It's not an altar call. It's an altar pull. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Come on, son. The time has come where apathy hasn't worked. It's time. Can I get some apostolics to pull? Grab your neighbor. Grab your neighbor. Grab somebody. Say it's too long. You've been sitting at this gate too long. We got to get you to your miracle. We got to get you. 
Come on. Once you know what you don't have, you are empowered to use what you do have. I wish I had somebody that would start using what you've got. You've got Jesus. Come on, apostolics. Come on, Pentecostals. There's still room at the altar. Nobody gets left behind. Nobody stays in the back. Everybody gets healed. Everybody gets delivered. Nobody's praying alone right now. You are connected. You might not know them. They might not be from the same organization. They might not have the same socioeconomic background. They might not be from the same side of the tracks. They might not be the same color. But it doesn't matter. I gotta connect with you. I've gotta unite with you. Because there's somebody at the gate. There's a world at the gate that needs a revival of apostolic unity. That needs a revival of brothers and sisters that come together. If you're sick in this house right now, you ought to ask somebody to lay their hands on you. Every eye's closed. Nobody's looking around. You are interceding. You are praising. You are blessing the Lord at all times. Come on. That's it. You've been at the gate too long. You've been sitting in complacency too long. You've been in your apathy too long. I know you only got 10 people. Yeah, no, but stop worrying about what you don't have. And start giving it praise for what you do have. Yes! Woo! needs to be a holy boldness that sweeps over this congregation that says we are going to have miracles like never before. We are going to come together like never before. There it is. There it is. over them. Come on, elder. Why don't you grab a young man and qualify him? 
Alexa. And yeah!